I could just play the theme song because this is a bonus episode. There's no news. There's no me trying to remember whose name. That's when we record the next one. But I do want to play a little game. Just a quick, quick, quick little game. Uh, <laughs> I have changed my mind about a movie we have recorded on this podcast. Like drastically changed my mind about a movie on this podcast. I want to see if you guys can guess it with no hints. Other than the fact that, like I said, I have just drastically changed my opinion about a movie we've reviewed on this podcast. And we don't even get to know if it's like an older nope. or newer one we've done. All I'll say okay. is both of you guys liked it and I did not. Okay. I just want to see if you guys can guess based on that just, you know, very specific description. There's only a handful <laughs> of movies that you two liked that I didn't. Mm. You know. Is that so? <laughs> yes. There's only like two or three. Shouldn't be that hard. Okay. Sure. I think there's only um, been like two or three this month. Um <laughs> but yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just curious. Just based on that description of you guys liked it, I did not. And I think I've drastically changed my mind on it. Uh we'll start with you, Heather. Do you have a guess? Um I'm going to go with, hmm, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, that you didn't like and we both did. Man, that's tough. There's just so so many <laughs> to choose from. Uh, Six or seven I'm, tops. Come on. Uh, end game. No, God, no. <laughs> I don't know. Justin, you got a guess? Man, I'm thinking, man, we, we disagree on hella movies. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What was one where Heather... Like I said, both of you guys really liked it. And I did not. I think I gave it still technically a passing score. Oh, okay. If you, okay, well then never mind. My guess is not what it was then. What were you going to guess though? I am just curious. I was hoping, I was hoping it was, uh, what was the uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie that me oh, and Oh, Knock Heather at the Cabin? Liked? No. No, not Knock at the Cabin, but. Oh, fuck you with the oh, visit. The visit? <laughs> The Fuck visit. You. No, God, no. I was hoping no. it was that. No. Why would, I was why would you, you saw hope the light that? on the visit? Why would you hope that? I was that? hoping no. you saw the light on the visit. No, you guys are wrong. You need to see the light. I'm right. But it was the visit. It was pretty good. But you. Okay, then my guess is wrong. But do you have another one? Because I because you were like I'm trying to think. Because you you, fig um, you figured out you were wrong on it early before you guessed. So now you're making me change and go through the database again. Um, There's not that many guys. Like fifteen tops. <laughs> the number just keeps getting higher. First it was six. Now you said fifteen. It's only like thirty. You know. 
Yeah, it's it's too many movies you didn't like that I like, Sterling. I can't do this. But this it's both of you liked. All right, I'll give you guys one more hint. Heather was not far off in the genre. She is wrong about the movie, though. Is Spider-Man No Way Home? Yeah. I've softened on that movie in my old age. <laughs> why? I'm curious as to why. Because I've just, after watching Aquaman, I guess I had just taken for granted. Like how bad comic book movies could get. And how bad they used Damn. to be. Fair. You know, it's like sometimes you just got to, you know, I guess it's my way of you just being like, you know, sometimes you got to let a comic book movie, comic book movie. You know? Because there's a real dark side to what comic book movies could be. And I'd forgotten that. And DC has had four movies come out this year. Doing their damnedest to remind me about how bad it could get. Because also, I guess yeah. I didn't remember, oh, not this year, technically last year. Because I guess I had forgotten that DC had four fucking movies come out in 2023. And only one of them was plausibly good with Blue Beetle. Shazam 2 sucked. Flash sucked. Aquaman sucks. You know, like that. They were none of them made any money, huh? Oh, God, no. They all fucking failed. You know, so sometimes, you know, you got to look at what not what you want, but what you get. And only Guardians made money for Marvel, right? So really, did we just have one successful comic movie this year? Pretty much. Technically, Quantum Mania. Yeah, they made technically money. Successful. Okay, it did all right. Yeah, it yeah. did all right. It made like it four hundred million right. on like a two hundred million budget. So it technically was profitable, but just barely. You know. But yeah, like you know, it's just one of those things. I was like looking back on it, and I'm like, you know. If you really look at it for what it was, all it was is it just wasn't the movie I wanted. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad movie. It's just not what I wanted. And I was unfair to it because of that. Justin, you can rest easy now. (laughs) I guess I can because, man, I was battling you on that one. I'd knock it up. I was not having it. I was not having it that (laughs) that you were saying it was bad. I was just not having it. I I, I'd knock it up now to maybe a seventy seven or a seventy eight, maybe seventy nine. Like you know, like B minus. You know, yeah, you gave it like a what? Maybe a seventy? No, no, no. I gave it like a sixty. I think, and I think I bumped it up. I did bump it up in the episode. I think I moved it up to a sixty five in the episode Mm -hmm. itself. 
Mm-hmm. But I think. Nice. Like I said, maybe. All right, let's go 79. So that way it's technically still a B minus. Is what I would adjust my score to now. This so. is impressive. I like it. It's something. I'll say that much. During this episode, if you stick around till the end of the episode, kids, during this episode, I will do some mathematical equations because I think we were doing Cinescores at that point. If it had a Cinescore, I don't remember if it did, but if it had a Cinescore, I will be able to retroactively figure out what it should be adjusted to. If it does, if it didn't have a sentence score, then all right, we're fucked. I'm not going back and doing anything, but you know, we'll go from there. But yeah, that was just, that was my little game real quick. So nice. Laser lizard. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are doing a very special bonus episode, and we will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie. Godzilla minus one. We will go spoiler free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require in both audio and video formats. And with all that, we'll start with you, Justin, since you've seen it the most recent. Maybe you'll remind me of shit I forgot about. Well, to be honest, I'm in such a crazy place with this movie because going in, you know, I I knew, okay, we're dealing with Godzilla, so this is a kaiju movie, everything like that. So I'm expecting this to be something along the lines of Godzilla versus Kong or like some of the MonsterVerse movies that we've gotten lately. And... And to my shock and dismay... This was like probably one of the best movies of the year. <laughs> like it it really throws you for a loop. Like I when I came out of this movie, I was really kind of down on it because I had gotten I've gotten so used to what Godzilla became. You know, like a lot of the Godzilla movies I watch or rewatch or anything like that are like the 80s Godzilla movies. You know, like going back to what Godzilla started as, like that threw me for a loop, Justin. It did. It took me like it took me a little bit like of sitting on it to like really reconcile back to what it was and adjust my feelings on it. Hmm. 
Interesting, because, yeah, I mean, I, some of that I can definitely understand because while sitting in there, I didn't really know, and I hadn't seen any previews for this or anything. I didn't really even know that this was coming out until you said something about it. And I don't know how I missed that this was coming out. I don't know how I somehow missed this one. But sitting in there, I'm thinking, okay, is this going to kind of be like, something like what we've seen before. And then you realize that this is taking place in Japan and um, you're hearing a lot of the old music from the old Godzilla. His old theme was in this, which was, which was really cool. Um, And this really is about the human characters with, Godzilla kind of taking the role of the bad guy monster in this. And man, this was just excellent. And like, I haven't seen a lot of the, and from what I understand, this harkens back to old Godzilla. Like, like, like you said, like when he first started Godzilla, um, it harkens back to that. And I don't quite remember any of those stories specifically. I don't know how much this is a redo or a reboot or a copycat or anything like that. Um, I, I, I don't know how close it is to the old or if it were just paying homage. To I would the old. call it just a new origin. Okay. Okay. Maybe a reboot, but you know, like it's just going back like, you know, Telling like a origin story of Godzilla. Okay. Okay. Cause that's what it sort of felt like. It did felt like the beginning of this, um, you know, before we have these other Kaiju and before like Godzilla sort of became the baby face of the movies, you know, this was, so this felt super old school to me. It really felt like that. But I think this movie is kind of like, Man, the, the this might be right up there with like how I felt when I came out of Top Gun Maverick. Like I thought I knew what I was going to get, but then I walked in, but then I walked out and I felt like I got so much more and I felt like I cared way more than I thought I would and I thought and it felt like even though I was going in to see something familiar, I got something much more powerful than that sitting through it and watching it. And to me, this is similar to that in a way. Like I walked in thinking, okay, I know what this is going to be. And it just wound up surprising me so much with what it did with its characters, how compelling the story was, how good the character development development was. And I cared so much about what was happening and the way that they positioned Godzilla, even though it, it was a little uncomfortable from based on what I've seen from Godzilla lately, he was so intimidating in this story. And he seemed like a force to be reckoned with, but in a different way. And just his how he related to the, the characters, it just wound up being this great story about 
like the human spirit and perseverance and just whether or not to give up, you know, there's a lot of like relatable themes in this movie. And by the time it got, it gets to the end and I'm not going to say what the ending is or anything, but like, I was shocked at how much I cared and how much it got me to feel at the end. Like, I felt this like incredible sense of relief and I was happy. Like, you know, it was the, it's, it's the kind of ending where you feel exactly what the movie wants you to feel. And sometimes not every movie earns what it wants you to feel in the end. Um, but this one did. And I can say that that's quite the accomplishment. So, I mean, I didn't think I was going to come here tonight and be like a Godzilla movie took me on an emotional roller coaster ride and had a plethora of character development and really got me to feel something emotionally. But here we are and it's 2024 and that is what happened. So, yeah, I'm I was very impressed by this movie. Can't wait to talk about it in more detail and spoilers and man, I, I, I'd almost be willing to say you'd be hard pressed to find a better Godzilla movie. Like I, now this is my favorite one. Like I, I really, really love the way this was done. And I, and I really, really love the way they did this. And the last thing I'll say is just the acting was excellent. I don't know any of these people, but my goodness, man, everybody showed up. Everybody played to their roles and, and, and it was just excellent. And I was in there with a good crowd of people, like a good number of people were in the theater to see this. So that kind of made me happy that so many people were watching this. And I thought that the subtitles might be a little off-putting for people because, you know, some people go crazy when it's like, oh, it's subtitles and Oh, the whole movie. I came to watch Godzilla. The whole movie's going to be like this. So I didn't know how people next to me would treat it. But everyone was so intrigued by what was happening. Like it, it, there were times where it was just pin drop quiet in the theater because everybody was just hanging on to what was happening. And at the end of the movie, this movie got a loud ovation. And I know sometimes we're kind of like, you know, should people clap at the end of movies? Nah, man, this one deserved the, the this one deserved its flowers, man, for how just incredibly surprising and incredibly good it was. So I was very impressed with this. I'll save everything else for a little bit, but hard disagree on the clapping. Still hard. Hard disagree on that. I know you got to be you. You got to be you. But I, I was kind of happy because it was a subtitled Japanese Godzilla movie and a bunch of people in Odessa, Texas, because that's where I had to go to see it. were clapping for it. And I don't know, man, something about that was kind of beautiful. This movie can get that kind of reaction from people. I think it almost speaks to how powerful it is, you know, 
things can be powerful no matter the language, no matter where it comes from, you know? So I think it was tight in that way. Never. Heather, what about you? What are your spoiler-free thoughts about Godzilla minus one? Yeah, I mean, I think I've made it fairly well known that like monster movies aren't really my favorite type of movies in general. Uh, They're just not my preference if I'm doing like a sci-fi movie type of thing. But if there was any movie or any Godzilla movie that was going to get me to care about Godzilla, it was this movie. (laughs) Because... Just the, I mean, the story of the people in this movie is really beautiful and really interesting and like very different in a way. Like, I feel like it's very, it's just this beautiful story and like just how these people came to know each other and like the relationships that these people have with each other and our main character and just sort of his backstory and everything with that is so intriguing and so enthralling. And I, it honestly did feel like I was just sort of actually watching real people in a situation. It did not feel like just a script that was written for people to just say lines. It felt very real with the story and the characters and just the acting performances were very real and just very captivating the entire time. So I do definitely agree with you on that, Jason. Like, it's just, there was something powerful and very emotional about so many aspects of this story that you just care about. Like, I mean, and I know that, you know, the Godzilla movies, monster movies in general, aren't always going to be specifically about the people in them. But if you are going to make it about the people, do it this way, because this was really well done. I mean, I didn't mind the the uh, the Godzilla that Gareth Edwards did. The I think it was the 2014 one, the one with like Elizabeth Olsen, Aaron Taylor Johnson. That was actually a good Godzilla movie for me. That was good. Like, I thought that was a really good one. And I was like, I mean, before I saw this one, I would have probably considered that my favorite Godzilla movie. You know, granted, I haven't seen all of them, so I mean, I was a little bit more limited on my options that I could choose from with that. (laughs) But seeing this movie and like also just the aesthetic of this, the way it's shot, the cinematography, the colors, the everything just, it felt like an old school movie. It felt like people from that time period. It felt like you're watching a movie of people that are in that actual time. And that was really cool too. That was really well done. And it was just so beautifully shot. Like all of the scenes were very beautiful And, you know, you just like you just find yourself along the way just caring a lot about our main character and just a a couple of the main characters in this. And you're just like, where did this come from? (laughs) Like, This is a Godzilla story. Why do I just why am I so deeply invested in this man and his relationships with people? And it's just it's the writing and it's the acting. And it's just so like it's very vulnerable. It's a very vulnerable story which was kind of beautiful to put in the backdrop of a Godzilla movie, you know? And I just really appreciated that. I thought it was really cool. And the action is great. Um, For the most part, it's pretty well paced. I guess if I did have to be a little nitpicky about this movie, I would say that there were parts where I do feel like it was a little bit slower than I would have liked probably. 
Um, it, I do think it actually felt, you know, longer than like when I left the theater, I was like, oh, OK, it was only, you know, two hours or a little over two hours. It did feel a little long in parts, but not enough to like completely take me out of the movie or anything like that. But, you know, if I have to give a criticism to this movie, that would probably be the biggest one that I can say is just that it did feel a little long in parts for me. But everything else about it is just like, <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to recommend a Godzilla movie, it's going to be this one. Like, it's just really good. Like, it's a beautiful story of humans as well. And just the, you know, just there's so it's such a more profound movie than you would expect it to be considering it's Godzilla, you know. So I just really appreciated the approach they took, the carefulness and the thoughtfulness of how they wrote the characters and how they wrote the story of the characters. And yeah, I mean, action and explosions and all the good stuff as well. Really, just everything was really good and everything just really worked. Um, moments of it were a little predictable, but I think you want it to be predictable in the parts that it was. So yeah, it, it was good. It was really good. I really did enjoy this movie a lot. I'll go into a small history lesson real quick. I've watched a stupid amount of Godzilla. Like an absurd amount. Uh, no, I haven't watched all of them because there's just no way. There's no way to watch all of them. But I mean, to me, it goes back to... I mean, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is one of my favorites. Uh... There's another one that came out. It was Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Uh, but I mean, there's Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla Two, Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla, uh, Godzilla Millennium, uh, even uh, 2016 Shin Godzilla. I really enjoyed that. I'm very forgiving of Godzilla movies. Now, if you've listened to any of our podcasts about some of these other Godzilla movies, like Godzilla King of Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong. It's because there are two ways to make a Godzilla movie. You either have him be the bad guy to humanity. And then that's when you can have a bunch of people shit. It's fine when you have people shit when he's the villain. When he's the bad guy. Where I don't like a lot of people shit is when it's Godzilla versus another fucking monster. And you're having a bunch of people in a fucking room talking about how they need to stop this shit instead of letting me fucking see two monsters fucking fight it out. Like, there, there are two ways to go, you know. And for me, like, I, I'm fine with either one. Most modern Godzilla movies have been Godzilla fighting another fucking monster. And so... That's what I was talking about when I'm like, you have to readjust your expectations for this movie. Because a lot, a lot of the ones I've watched and I've enjoyed, it's Godzilla fighting another monster. But let's harken back to the original Godzilla. You know, let's harken back to this, the, the you know, the original uh, Gojira. This movie is like that. Godzilla goes back to being an allegory for the atomic bomb landing on Japan. 
That's what Godzilla started as. And that's what Godzilla returned to in this. And with that, that's where you get to have the humanity aspect tied into your gigantic fucking, you know, kaiju movie. That's why you get to add humanity into this and make a very powerful movie with great human characters. And I don't want to slap the face of every person because they are taking me away from my two gigantic monsters fighting. And so, I mean, I, it's a shout out to Toho, you know, the, the studio that started Godzilla. And, you know, this is another Toho Godzilla movie. And they kind of, it just, like I said, it went, it went back to the drawing board with it. It went back to the, the beginning. I want to give a brief explanation to the title also Godzilla minus one, because it's a really badass title, especially when you know the meaning behind it. So essentially they were saying in this movie that Godzilla or Japan after world war two, after the atomic bombs was at ground zero was at zero. They were the lowest they could be. They were decimated. They were at just rock bottom zero. And Godzilla shows up. Now they are down to minus one. That's how shitty it is in Japan that they are now below zero. They are now at minus one because they just got rocked by two atomic bombs. And now Godzilla shows up to wreck their ass again. That is cool. Yeah, right? That's tight. It's a fine enough name as it is, Godzilla Minus One. You're like, hey, that's a quirky name. It's still cool. But then yeah. you know the, the, the meaning behind the name of why it's Godzilla Minus One. You're like, ah, oh, shit. They got really deep on yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool. You know? And, you know, just going back with that, it just kind of... Like I said, if you go in at least just set your expectations properly, go in just either blank or just go in to watch a movie that happens to have Godzilla in it. And I think you'll be able to get what this movie is trying to give you. Plus, he's got a really cool atomic breath in this movie. It's really cool. It's got some really great sound editing with it, too. Super cool. And when it comes down to it, that's, you know, that's a defining feature. That's something that was not originally in it. Uh, It being essentially an atomic breath wasn't originally a thing. But, you know, it's something they've added. And it's become an iconic thing. And we've gotten to see some crazy atomic breaths throughout the years. You know, that's something that the American Godzilla uh, that we've been getting recently. I, I, I don't have a problem with that atomic breath. It's fine. I really dig the Shin Godzilla atomic breath, though. I see a crazy cool atomic breath. Watch 2016 Shin Godzilla. Super cool. 
but this one, it delivers with it. And it adds a new level of devastation to it. Like it adds a new level of like a, like visually speaking, like a destructive power. That's like an odd behold. But then also it really also adds to the story of the fact that this is a decimated ass country and you're essentially having many atomic bombs dropped on you again with this fucking creature just shooting shit out of its mouth. Like it adds to that even, you know, from a storytelling point of view, the atomic breath adds to the story of this movie, which makes it a little bit extra cool doing so. I do slightly agree with you, Heather. There are some moments in this movie that the pacing does get a little weak. It gets a little slow with how they're telling the the story, the human side of the story. But in the end, it ends up just being an incredibly powerful movie and probably an infinitely better movie than most Godzilla movies actually have the right to be. And I'm saying that as somebody that likes watching those shitty ass Godzilla films from back in the day where he's like fucking sliding on his tail to fucking, you know, drop kick somebody sign me up. It's a delight. I get massive amounts of enjoyment from that. But, you know, me getting a massive amount of enjoyment does not a good movie make. I enjoy a lot of shitty movies. Fortunately, this is not one of those. It is a good movie on top of it. And like Justin says, it it's it it has every right to be considered one of the better movies of the year. And it's a fucking Godzilla movie. The stuff that fucking parodies are made of. How many fucking movies, cartoons, TV shows, video games, etc., etc. Have you seen just parody the fuck out of Godzilla? Too much stuff. Yeah. I think Bowser Koopa is a Godzilla homage. Yeah. There's tons, though. I mean, endless. It's endless. They make a fucking Godzilla reference in Steven Spielberg's The Lost World Jurassic Park 2. When the T-Rex mm-hmm. is running down the street and it's got the Asian people thinking, they're like, oh. Like, it's fucking absurd. You have the entire game rampage based off of Godzilla and King Kong just destroying shit. It is, you know, it's a joke of a franchise, but it's also an iconic franchise. I mean, there's a reason why everybody riffs on Godzilla. It's an iconic franchise. It's been around since the 19 fucking 50s. Every single decade of our lives, we have gotten a fucking Godzilla movie. 
every decade of our lives, we've gotten multiple Godzilla movies. It's not even just one. No. In a weak decade, we might only get eight or nine. I know technically in the 2010s, there wasn't a ton. There was a lot of animated ones, though. There's a lot of animated Godzillas happening in that time period. And that's also when the American Godzilla movies were starting off. So, yeah, we still got a bunch. But this is a different, for lack of a better word, beast of a movie. This, I was going to say this ain't your mama's Godzilla, but it actually kind of is. Most of your mamas might have been born around the time of the original Godzilla. My mom was born around the time of the original Godzilla. So this is kind of actually close to my mama's Godzilla. I don't think they were showing that shit in America back then, but still. This is not your early childhood Godzilla. Unless you're an old ass fucking person listening to this podcast. Which kudos on you for being 70 years old and knowing what a podcast is. Spoilers? Yeah. Recommendations, of course. Yes. Thank you, Justin, for catching me. (laughs) I was going to hit the right button, though. I was going for the right button. Recommendations and scores. Okay. Here we go. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Heather, go. Yeah, I recommend it. I mean, if it can make me enjoy a Godzilla movie when it's, you know, not typically my cup of tea, I think it's definitely worth recommending to other people. Uh, It's beautifully shot, beautifully acted, really well written, great action. Yeah, it's it's got a little bit of everything in there for you. And I I I love that it does that. Um. Yeah, there's not a reason to not recommend this at all. So I, yeah, I, I, I would say give it a go for sure. Um, I feel like it would be a little bit of a disservice for me to give this anything lower than an A, even though in general, like, <laughs> you know, monster movies aren't my thing. I can appreciate this movie for what it is and I can appreciate like, how well made this movie is in so many different aspects. So I'm going to give it a 90 letters to your angry neighbor uh, to explain the situation and take care of your daughter out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, it's going to be a recommend for me. Um, I hate that we're reviewing it so late in its run because I feel like at this point, I don't know what the lifespan of it is going to be in theaters or how much longer it's going to be in there. But I just, you know, want to tell people to try to make an effort to go see this one. It would be worth your time to, to sit in there and watch this and, even if you're someone who is kind of put off by subtitles or, you know, you'd rather have a dub or, you know, there are people who are all sub versus dub people, but honestly, this was worth it. I think it's worth your time 
to go in and read. And 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 really, there's just something about getting Godzilla from its source. You know, sometimes things are just better when they come from the source. Like, you know, I don't doubt that somebody could make you your, you know, your favorite McDonald's hamburger, but I don't know. Sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes you you just want to go there and, you know, get the, the, the smell of McDonald's and you want to order and you want to, you know, you want the wrapping and you want the, you know, there's, there's kind of, it depending on how important that is to you, there's probably a whole experience that goes with that, that a person just making you a, a, a Big Mac can't replicate. Um, I think that's a good analogy. Kind of like Sometimes, Burger King with their Big King. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, dude. You, you know that? I'm damn right. Um, you know I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right, though. You kind of right, though. Uh, so this is Godzilla from its source. The, the, this takes place in Japan. The, the, these are Japanese people that produced this, did this, made this film. And there's just something about that. There's an authenticity to that that you just don't often get with some of these MonsterVerse movies and. Godzilla versus Kong and all of that kind of stuff, even though it is kind of cool that we're over here doing a monster verse, that there is some coolness to that. I wish the movies were better, but, but there is something kind of cool about that, seeing Godzilla and King Kong on the screen. But this man, this is like going to that authentic place and getting that authentic stuff. You know, there's it's one thing to go to a Taco Bell it's another thing to go to Mexico and have somebody from Mexico make you some tacos. You know, it's another thing entirely. So this is like you getting, the, the, that's what this is like. This is like you going to Mexico and meeting just the nicest people and them making you homemade Mexican tacos, not like the Tex-Mex shit and all of that kind of stuff. You know, there's a difference. There's a difference. So I think that that's the best I can say about this. This is worth going to the theater because there is an authenticity to this Godzilla that you're just not going to find in some of the American-made shit. Um. And then on top of that, I, I agree with you guys about some of the pacing issues, but I don't know if that's um, so much just a, a problem with this movie. I think that might just be a Godzilla problem in general. I've noticed a pattern with with the Godzilla movies, and there's a thing that they always do, and I think that may be what you guys are talking about. And, and I can and Sterling probably knows just by me saying You're that, but I'll, we can on that. It's, it's that weird we, lull in the movie that's at the end of the second act going into the third act. You know, every what I'm Godzilla about. movie has that yep. fucking problem. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. So it's a problem we can dissect and talk about in the spoilers. But yeah, you you, you know what I'm saying? You, it's it's a Godzilla problem. But other than that, man, I, I think this is a great movie. I'd really do think. With confidence, I can say it's one of the best of the year. And I, I really want more people to see it because, I mean, come on, who doesn't want more Godzilla in their lives? 
So with that being said, we'll go 94 random women coming up to you and being like, here, take this baby out of 100. Supposedly, the budget for this movie was only $15 million. That's one five in six zeros. I don't know how, but that's a pretty amazing. A lot of it has to do with the amount of bloat that is inherent in American movies. You know, there is so much more that we put into a production that they don't put in. That's not may or may not be necessary. I mean, it's a bunch of shit. Like, you know, I doubt that they're getting trailers. I doubt that they're getting, you know, they're probably not getting the type of craft services that they get on an American movie. You know what I mean? It's probably a lot more of a simple production. It's grossed about 85 million worldwide, which isn't a ton of money, but also rousing success. It's almost what, six times its budget? Yeah, that's tight. You know, so rousing success. And to be fair, there's only a handful of times, visually speaking, I think Godzilla might look a little weak visually. With the the with the the CGI, because where this is a big departure for what Toho does. At no point is there a man in a suit with this Godzilla. This is a completely CGI rendered Godzilla. And you know, like I said, there are a few times it's a, it's his feet sometimes whenever they're doing the stomping on the ground and you just see his foot come down. Sometimes it looks a little weak, but. Hey, 15 million bucks, that's kind of what you get. But hey, when they do that full-scale Godzilla, ain't nothing weak about it. When you get that full Godzilla, he looks immaculate. He looks like exactly what you want Godzilla to look like. Now, I will say this. This version of Godzilla is not as big as the American Godzilla. Because, you know, here we got to go bigger. Our Godzilla in the MonsterVerse here is the largest Godzilla that's ever been made. But there's something very wicked about this one, though. This Godzilla minus one. Godzilla looks really wicked. And that adds to the story. Justin, you're not wrong. I did not think about it till you said it. But yes, that pacing lull is the exact same fucking problem you have in almost every one of these kaiju kaiju movies. I'm going into even like Pacific Rim or anything like that. Any of these big ass fucking kaiju movies where it's that lull in the story before you know is going to be the big final fight. And it's just people running around doing shit and getting ready and having that emotional moment. Like sometimes now where this movie benefits the emotional breakthrough in this movie, the emotional moment in this movie is incredibly well done at least. But just, yes, that's what sets it apart. Yeah. But, but the, the montage of just somebody building a plane or building this or building that just to get, it's a bunch of nonsense. 
you know, like they're fucking acting like this is Rocky running up the steps in Philadelphia. I mean, it's, it's not, it's just people with a hammer. Like it's boring, but you know, at least the emotional weight that this movie carries does help you get over that hump in a more satisfying way than your atypical kaiju movie. It's an incredibly well done movie. Really enjoyed it. <sighs> now the question is, what do I give it as a score? This feels lazy. It does. But I'm just going to split the difference. 92. Uh, 92. Godzilla getting his jaw blown off and growing it back. Out of a fucking hundred. Uh, Cinescore is a 92. That's also why it's lazy. Because I'm splitting the difference and it's just like, bam, bam, everything lines up perfect. Uh, Spoilers? Yep. Yep. Spoilers. I'm going right back to that scene. That scene in the movie when they fucking hit him in the jaw with the cannon and like obliterate the fuck out of his jaw and face. And he just grows it the fuck back right there. That's a wicked fucking scene. Yeah, that was cool. I liked this version of Godzilla with that. This, this hyper regenerative Godzilla, this, uh, I, I liked how there's weirdly like a story element to it too, because of like, all the atomic testing, like, cause when you first introduced to this Godzilla early in the movie, he's not that tall. He's like, what? Maybe 20, maybe 25 feet tall. And then the argument is that the U S government was testing nukes on the Island that he was on. And because he kept getting obliterated by nuclear weapons, and he would regenerate and get bigger and regenerate and get bigger and just kept regenerating and getting bigger so much that he became this hundreds foot tall, you know, like force of nature that also developed atomic breath. You know, which I liked that addition to the story because he's not just an allegory now. Like he's also... He is an allegory, but he is also the outcome. He is also fueled by it, you know, which they kind of, well, I, I don't want to say they kind of stole that from the 1998 American Godzilla movie. Cause that's slightly disingenuous him being tied to atomic weapons and atomic, you know, testing and all this other stuff is, has been a long long part of Godzilla's lore. But the whole idea that he was just something regular, but still a monster, but because of atomic testing, he became something else that is slightly from the American Godzilla. Not maybe not a hundred percent, but you know, that really ties into the whole idea of Godzilla in that movie was an iguana that due to atomic testing became a gigantic weird Kaiju fuck, you know, and that's kind of tied into this where, you know, there were like legends of that monster on that Island, you know, like the people of that Island had the legend of that monster. And then all of a sudden atomic testing, atomic testing, atomic testing. 
it grew into something else, which I like because the, the, the idea of that, it was already this monster thing that like, you know, if you want to argue there's some supernatural or magical element to him growing because that, because he is a, a, a monster of sorts already. I dig that. It's the combination of the supernatural and technology that ended up creating this fucking thing. Um, I really liked the human story of it all. I really liked that every time stuff started kind of getting good for like Japan, like they started maybe finally healing or finally getting over anything. Godzilla would just show the fuck back up and just wreck them again and just go away. And nobody knew what the fuck to do. Every time they came up with a plan, it fucking failed. Because ultimately they had no fucking clue what they were going up against, which is also a weirdly great fucking allegory for what happened to Japan with the atomic bomb again. Like the whole poking of the bear that was America and then getting us into the war, not really knowing what they were doing when they did that. There's the, that, the, the quote attributed to the Japanese general of, Oh, now we've awakened the like sleeping beast or whatever, or the sleeping giant, whatever the fuck that quote was. It's kind of the same thing in this. Like every time they had a plan and every time they're like, oh yeah, this is how we're going to do it. Godzilla just had something else. And they were never quite prepared. And it's the same kind of thing with American Japan and World War II. They poked us and then they were not really prepared. And they every plan they came up with, while it might have had some success, was never really successful. They were never really able to match up at that point all the way up until nuclear bomb, which they had no defense against. To be fair, we still don't have a defense really against that type of thing, but still it's just that thing of all of a sudden you've now got this extra element. You, you definitely weren't prepared for. And when they're like, oh yeah, it's going to take a while for him to recharge his atomic breath. And then he's like, I'm about to do it again. And they're like, ah, shit, he's doing it again. You know, like I really like, you know, all of these things when they're like, oh, we'll just do this. Oh shit. He's floating back up again. Like they just, everything they did, just none of it worked. Like it, it kind of worked a little bit and then just didn't. So it's really great. Cause what does that do? Like I said, it adds back to the allegory of what Godzilla really was. They, they weirdly enough, just added more allegories to the allegory that was Godzilla. And they just did so insanely successfully. And then on top of that, you had this really great human story. You had this kamikaze pilot that just shows up on an Island. He's like, my plane's broke. And they're like, plane's not broken. He's like, nah, my plane's broke. Cause he just didn't want to go kamikaze. And then Godzilla shows up. And then later they're like, you're the reason why we lost. Cause you didn't kamikaze enough and all this shit. And like, which was great to me because it also showed the flawed logic of the kamikaze. If everybody's willing to kamikaze, then who do you have left fighting? If it doesn't finish it, if it does not finish the job, who do you have left? It's a flawed tactic. It either wins you everything or you just lose everything. You know, it's that whole idea of, 
you have to hit them with that kill shot. Because if you don't get the kill shot with it, you're fucked. And that's what the tactic of the kamikaze is. If you don't win, if you don't win that war quickly with a few kamikazes, sooner or later you're running out of people. You're running out of planes. You know. Now I get it. The the people that were strictly for kamikaze, like they weren't really having, you know, they weren't giving them like top of the line planes and all this stuff. But you're you're still, you're running out of material. You're running out of people. You're running out of shit every time you do it. And on top of that. You have to hope that every single person you have that is supposed to be that is willing to do it. You know? Yep. Which is like another flaw in the system. You know, it's great in theory. Oh, I'm going to die for my country and we're going to win because of it. Until you don't. You know? And so, and I love that whenever he gets back and everybody's like, you were supposed to be a kamikaze, but you failed. You're terrible. You're why we lost the war. It's not. But I like how he's getting the blame for it. And he's having to shoulder the blame and he's shouldering the guilt and all of these things. And throughout the movie, he's getting beaten down by that. And every time he starts to feel better, he gets some other form of guilt. You know, the, the remembrance of Godzilla showing up on the Island and killing the people because he didn't shoot it with a gun, which is, and, and, the ironic thing about it is at, when that happens in the movie at the very beginning, everybody, yeah, you can blame him. But then when you like see it later in the movie, would it have killed Godzilla? Probably not. He did. He, he wouldn't have been able to save him even if he did it. But you don't know that at that point in the movie, you find out later it would have been futile. And I don't even think that the movie really outright says that. But it's it's heavily implied he wouldn't have been able to save anybody from Godzilla at that scene anyway. The people that died were going to die. The only difference is if he had shot Godzilla, he probably would have been dead too. That's the only difference. Godzilla still would have killed people and he would have just been dead too. You know, and then you get the guilt of his girlfriend wife ish person yeah saving his life he wasn't the one that saved her she saved him more guilt we're having to raise the daughter guilt 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 the person he has to go to to get the plane working is the person the only other person that survived the island guilt more guilt and then finally at the end of the movie when this guy's like fuck this i am guilty i deserve to die i'm gonna die to kill godzilla and that's when the other guy's like you get it, and that's why you're not going to die. That's a really kind of beautiful story arc that you have. And I like the fact that, you know, that guy wasn't mad that he was a kamikaze that wasn't willing to kill himself or whatever. It was more or less like you just had to be willing to. It's not that you didn't kill yourself. You just had to be willing to. That type of scenario. Where it, it, it's all about the mindset. It's all about the dedication. You know what I mean? That's what the one guy, the mechanic was looking for the whole time was, do you have the dedication to the plan to do what is necessary to ultimately try to save as many people as you can? And just because he had that dedication and had proven finally he had that dedication is when he was like, that's why you don't have to kill yourself. Like, that's why you don't have to. 
That's why we've planned for you not to, which also sucks because if you know a basic amount of German, you know he's not going to kill himself because the ejector seat is written in German, like ejector. It's, I, I don't, but like, yeah, like you know it's an ejection seat if you know German. So that that kind of sucks that it kind of gives you away, uh, gives it away that he was going to eject. But I I I just really dug that overall story like of the uh, uh, or story arc of the person. But then I also dug at the end of the movie. Godzilla's not really dead. You get that little piece of Godzilla that's coming back to life. Rebuilding, reforming, going to come back stronger than ever. I like that they kind of made this this Godzilla almost like Doomsday from the DC comics. You kill him like it once, it ain't going to kill him like that again. Comes back bigger, stronger, got protections. And that's kind of like this Godzilla, which also adds to the allegory of while you might not have the immediate threat of an actual atomic bomb anymore, like, you know, it was dropped on Japan. Yeah. But you have the looming threat of it, you know? So nobody's actively running around dropping nukes on people right now. Sure. So you don't have the active threat of it, but there is still the looming threat of a potential nuclear attack at any point in the world right now because of who has nukes, who doesn't have nukes, who hates who, who likes who there's that potentiality that looms over the world. And that's kind of what Godzilla becomes at the end of this movie. Like the, the, the physical threat at that exact moment is gone, but we know as an audience, he's healing, he's coming back. He's going to be back which is the looming threat that the world has on it right now in modern times. So it's just another allegory. They really almost could have called this movie allegory and just made it a Godzilla movie. And it would have been sweet because that's all this movie is, is it's just so many allegories stacked on top of each other. It almost feels like it was made by me because I love making me some allegories. Allegories are so fun. And like, I've had to try really hard to not just do that in this. Cause also Justin beat me to it a little bit when he's like, Oh man, you got to make it, you know, this is like, you know, going to McDonald's versus somebody making a burger at home. It's not the same. When, as soon as you started talking about that, Justin, you know what I thought of homemade pizza? Yeah. Oh yeah. Pizza at home never, never even weirdly tasted like pizza. You had all the same ingredients that pizza has. It was dough, pizza sauce, cheese, pepperoni, and that shit still didn't actually taste like pizza. Yeah, it didn't hit at all. Like my mom tried so, she made so many attempts to make pizza and it just never hit, man. It just never hit. And then I thought, well, maybe it was just my mom. I'm not hating on her or nothing, but you know, I just thought, well, maybe, you know, my mom just can't really do pizza, but I hear that story often from people. It just doesn't, it's 
hard to replicate that that, that, that you sometimes buy with those. I think it's know? the dishes, like the cookware and the ovens we have to use at home. Because I know yeah. so many people nowadays that have like those actual at home pizza ovens, like those outdoor pizza ovens and shit like that. And they're all making like delicious ass looking pizza and shit, you know, because you, I bet you can in those types of things when you're just using some fucking oven that was made in 1988, no pizza turns out. Well, did your, did your mom also like knowing that it was never going to be the same at some point, just try to get you involved with it to like make it more fun. Like, Oh, you're going to get to make your own pizza. Yeah. You could put your own meat on yeah. it and stuff like that. And it just, Still I mean, tasted like ass. Yep. Jess putting those marshmallows on it, you know. <laughs> yep. Mom. <laughs> My pepperoni and marshmallows, you know it. But no, you're but you're right though. Like, it just never hit. It just never did. Like I've I've at least had a good burger at a house. I've just still never had a good homemade pizza. Now, granted, I've never been around anybody with one of those ovens doing it, you know, but Same. so maybe that's the problem. I've seen yeah. it. I've seen some people with it. People I know are on social media going, Oh, look at this pizza I made in my little outdoor pizza oven. And I'm like, well, aren't you fucking special spoiling your kids with actually like at least passable homemade pizza. Your kids will How never, they? your kids will never know the turmoil that was like your parents going, we're having pizza tonight and you get excited. You have this skip in your step and then they go, we're going to make it. And it just all the, like the, this tiny, like the, the light that was in your soul gets extinguished. I still get like that when I like go to someone's house and they're just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to make a pizza. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> You know, you first you're a pizza. You're like, oh, really? Where Domino's Pizza? Where are we where are we going? Little Caesars? Yeah. No, I'm making it. Like, oh, cool, isn't it? Cool, isn't it cool, slightly cool, more yeah. insulting yeah. whenever they say their own name? We're like, oh, where are you getting it? Pizza Hut or Domino's? And they're like, come on, you're getting this from Chef Tony. And you're like, <laughs> fuck you, Tony. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Like it's it, it's really sad when at home you still can't make as good as a frozen thing from the grocery store. Like how does grocery store frozen pizza still weirdly taste better than anything you make with like actual ingredients? That shit can be sitting in a freezer so long when you pull it out of the cellophane, it's covered in ice. That shit will still taste better than anything you're doing on your own with that. Like, I'll gladly eat a Totino's pizza before I will even attempt to make one. And I'm a fairly decent fucking cook, and I still won't try to make my own pizza. I'll just get a fucking Totino's and put it in an air fryer because it makes it very delicious. And shoot, y'all live in Chicago. I wouldn't even dare try to make a homemade deep dish pizza like they do in Chicago. Well, there's that. And and, uh, 
you know, the, the funny thing is, is like, all right, Chicago's known for their deep dish pizza. It's the Chicago style pizza, all this other stuff. The number one pizza style that's eaten in Chicago and the suburbs, though, is what's called tavern style pizza. That's a crispy, thin crust pizza that's cut into squares. So if you've seen a Little Caesars thin crust, that's a tavern style pizza. That is actually what most of us eat here on a more regular basis is that style of pizza. I wouldn't try either one of those. I like my personal favorite style of pizza. Not in not in New York like most people would assume. It's a Detroit. I love me a Detroit style pizza. It's a square deep dish where you cut it and you cut it into squares so every piece you get's a corner piece. So you get that crispy slightly burnt cheese on the outside. Ah, it's fucking great. I love me a Detroit style deep dish. Wouldn't make that shit either. And, and all of that to say, maybe America needs to stop making Godzilla movies. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. I like how you turned it there. I'm a big New Yorker pizza guy myself. I like those big slices, dog. I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's so big. You Don't know, get me I just wrong. Get, I think I just go crazy about that. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's so big. You know, you have to alter your voice to make it seem like you're as big as the thing you're talking about. Like, I just, I don't know. There's just something about that that I really like. Oh, yeah. But, New York style is great. But, you know? But 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 yeah. back to what you were actually saying. Back to the actual allegory. Yes, I get what you're saying. Because when you have it, because when you have a Godzilla from the source, you're like, what was I even watching for the past few years? It just really makes you like question your choices. Like, <laughs> like, the, like, like Heather brought up 2014's Gareth Edwards Godzilla. I thought that was a really, really good Godzilla movie because it adds the humanity in the style in which this does. But what ends up becoming the flaw? It's Godzilla fighting other monsters, and you take away from that. So you never actually truly get the balance. Now, every subsequent American Godzilla movie since then has made it infinitely worse. Godzilla King of the Monsters, you've got fucking Ghidorah and Godzilla duking it out. And then it's just like, oh, let's look at this person's face while they run around on the street. Fuck that person. It's very simple. It's either just Godzilla and you do all the people shit you want to do. Or it's Godzilla fighting other monsters and you say, fuck all the people. It's a very simple formula. And I don't know why they constantly keep fucking it up because every time they come up with another one of these Godzilla movies, it's Godzilla King of the monsters and then Godzilla versus Kong. And then now Godzilla X Kong new empire. They keep adding people to the human cast, which is the exact opposite of what you should do. You should be getting rid of people. And they keep expanding. They're like, nope, we had 57 humans in the last movie. We need 492 in this one. Like, what the fuck are these people doing? In this movie, just a Godzilla, all the people. And it's fucking great. 
I'm, I'm literally telling Warner Brothers right now the secret to doing this well. And they're going to just say, nah, fuck you. We're just going to do some bullshit. Yeah. It's the raisins and the potato salad. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, you're just doing too much. Justin coming for that allegory crown in this episode. Justin's trying to take it away from me. Oh, man. <laughs> Perfect analogy, Justin. It is. It's raisins and the potato salad. What's wrong with just a potato salad? Exactly. Potato salad's a delicious <laughs> treat. If yeah, you stop want raisins, so cute with it. Just, 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 just make potato salad, man. And if you want raisins, bring you a little pack of those little sun-kissed fucking raisins and eat them your goddamn self. Exactly. Don't get, don't get too cute with it, man. And that's what I think it is. It's like. You know, these people consider themselves artists, so they're like, oh, I got to put my spin on it. You know what I mean? I got to get too cute with this Godzilla. And you're you're not going to win every battle with that. You know, if you focus, like you said, one way or the other, then your narrative would probably feel and sound and be more focused. But they don't do that. They try to have it all. Oh, we're going to have it all. I'm going to have all the people. I'm going to have all the monsters. And King Kong, too. Where is it? Where is that? Come on, King Kong. Get in the, you know, get in the, get in the line and let's dance, too. It's just too much. You're inviting too many people to the party and you're just adding too much shit. Like. There was like, there was 300 people and 87 kaiju in Godzilla King of the Monsters. It was a goddamn mess. Yeah. And then they, it was a damn battle royal. It was like watching wrestling. It was yeah. just a bunch of motherfuckers in the ring. I mean, why are these people in the ring? And they're just doing all that <laughs> shit and then just showing Cuba Gooding Jr. Or no, not Cuba. Uh, what's it? Um, I was going to say his son. It's not his son. It's Ice Cube's son. They were showing Ice Cube's son just randomly fucking running Jackson. around. Yeah. They just show his ass running around. I'm like, fuck you, dude. You're fine in most movies. I actually don't have any yeah. problems with you, but you, I've got Godzilla and Ghidorah fighting over there. And instead I'm looking at your stupid fucking face on this gigantic ass screen. That's the one that does have uh, what's like Millie Bobby Brown in it. And I think she's in that one too. And Kyle mm-hmm. Chandler, yeah. Kyle Chandler. See, and I'm just like, in those movies also I in Godzilla versus Kong too. Like, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, I and the thing is, I didn't care for those movies because they were really long and boring and just kind of a lot of nothing. I recently saw those, but and I'm just like, how do you have like such a great cast of people and you just make it not matter? Like you just excelled at making it not matter that you had a great cast of people in your movie. It was terrible. And I think it goes back to what you said, Justin. They're trying to be goddamn artists with nothing. Like. They all think with their hubris that they will be the one that finally straddles the line of people shit and monsters fighting shit. The Neo of Godzilla's. Yeah, they think they are the chosen one. They are the Messiah of Kaiju movies. I'm getting on that allegory game. It's fine. 
And none of them are. Because I don't legitimately think it's possible. The closest we truly ever got to maybe almost bridging that gap was Gilmer del Toro in Pacific Rim. And it still didn't quite succeed at that. It still got a little, just a little too. I didn't know that was his movie. Yeah, he directed the first one. He did not direct the second one. Do not ever watch the second one. (laughs) I'm sorry, John Boyega. I love you. You were ruined in Star Wars. It wasn't your fault. They fucked you over. But Pacific Rim 2 did you no favors. Just saying. But yeah, it took somebody of the iconic status of Gilmiro del Toro to almost get that. And he still did not quite succeed at that. It's probably the closest we've gotten to truly doing that. All of you no-name motherfuckers. They're just getting hired by Warner Brothers to do this shit. You quit trying. You are no Del Toro. Quit thinking you can do the impossible because you can't. And that's where Japan succeeded. As Japan went, hey guys, do you think maybe we should just do the exact opposite of all these American Godzilla movies? that have been greatly diminishing in quality ever since they did an actually decent one. And then they just kept diminishing since then. Do you think we should just do the opposite? And everybody went, yeah, let's do the opposite of the American movies. And they come out with a fucking banger of a classic. That is not only a all time great classic Godzilla movie. Would not be weird to me if it's now going to be considered a must-see classic movie, like an instant classic, because of the iconic status that is Godzilla. A lot of shitty movies, but an iconic franchise. And you come in in the year of our Lord, 2023, going, we are going to do better than decades of this. We are going to do better than a half a century plus of movies out the gate. Come on. Uh, Justin, what about you? Yeah, I hear you on all that. Um, but yeah, just to go back to the the story of the fighter pilot Koichi, I believe that is how you say that. Um, man, I I really loved that story too, and I like all the allegories you brought up about um, the 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 ties to the war, and then Godzilla, and the allegories about the atomic bomb and the threat of war and all that. I definitely, all of that was there. And and for me, what I appreciated too, was that you could even almost simplify it down to even more relatable things, because maybe we all haven't been in a war or understand truly the threats of war, 
But I think everybody's been in that situation where you should have done something and you didn't. And you always question, was your inaction, could your actions have changed the the situation? Maybe if you had acted, maybe if you had just done something instead of nothing, where would you be right now? What would that situation be? Maybe if you had spoke up and said something instead of just staying quiet, what would the situation be? And obviously, you know, I don't want to get into the the back, the argument of, well, sometimes you shouldn't talk or sometimes you shouldn't act. But I'm talking about those situations where maybe your actions could have made a difference. And I think that's sort of the relatable quality that I found in the Koichi character. It, it, it wasn't even the fact that it's like you said it, could on that island with those um with those people that died where he could have shot at Godzilla with that 20 millimeter gun or whatever would that gun have killed Godzilla no and we know that and i think somewhere deep down the character knew that too but it was the fact that he didn't do anything it was the fact that he froze it was the fact that he didn't take action that haunted him so much You know, that compounded on top of it it was his duty as a kamikaze pilot. There there was a duty. He swore an oath that this is what he was supposed to do. And I mean, and that's the thing, you know, the the whole East versus West thing. And, yeah, there's a sense of honor that that we have in Western culture. But over there in Japan, man, that kamikaze stuff. That was real shit to them, man. And there was definitely a sense of honor and oath and and there was a sense of privilege that you were supposed to have, that you were this person that was going to do this thing, to die for the good of your people, for your country and everything like that. So the compounded guilt of him go, turning his back on that duty on that oath and on what he was supposed to do. And then people in the town knowing that you, sir, you weren't supposed to survive. You were supposed to make the decision to help save us all. And because, and even though that part, that, that village lady was wrong in the sense of, well, you're the reason why my son and daughter died. Maybe not necessarily, but, But I understand why she said that, because the belief was, is that these people are going to do this. They are going to sacrifice themselves. They are going to make this choice to save us all in this war. And if he came back, survived, and and she found out he didn't do that, well, then, yeah, you would be angry at someone that didn't, that was supposed to take that oath, that was supposed to die with honor and chose not to. And now you're back living and my sons are dead. So I can kind of see where a person like that is coming from. Is it a little unfair? Yes. But given the magnitude of the situation, I get where that, that character's coming from. And so 
I love how this bothered him constantly. This whole thing of, I didn't take action. I didn't do anything. And I love how that aspect of it, that came this whole sort of, so for him, that was the war going on inside of him. It was that war of, I could have done something. Maybe I have the power to change this situation. And I didn't take it. And I, and I think that that's a very relatable thing. I think that that is something that whether you've been in a war or not, or understand atomic bombs or not, or whether we've been face-to-face with a monster, maybe we've never been face-to-face with Godzilla, but I'm pr- pretty sure you've probably been face-to-face with your fears or that doubt that you had in yourself to be able to change the situation, your situation, things of that nature. So for me, that was very relatable. And then him, even though he had this situation where maybe he could have had this family with Noriko and, and the little child that they sort of were just kind of caught in the moment of taking care together. But I love how, even though that possibility was there, he couldn't accept any of the possibilities because of this guilt that was going on, this sort of war that was going on in himself of, is he worthy of even living? Because he chose to to worry about his own life and it felt like all these other people perished because of him. So I just loved all the inner turmoil with that character. And he was doing some great acting, man. That actor really was great in some of those scenes. And one of my favorite scenes was because he had sort of been withholding how he really felt and what he was really struggling with from the, from the lady, the Noriko character. And I love that scene where they're just there in the house together. And she's like, let me in, you know, why don't you tell me what it is that's going on with you? And I love that scene where he just admitted to her what was going on with him and him not living up to his duty as a kamikaze pilot and how it all tied in with Godzilla. I like how he was finally open with her. You know, I felt like in that moment, their relationship turned a corner because he was no longer putting that wall up with her. So I thought that that was just, a great scene for them. And then him and then her just kind of accepting that and then holding him and saying, because you are living, you know, that that's why you, you know, because you are living. Um, I forget exactly how she said it. I forget exactly what the line was, but essentially I'm going to bridge it. But she said, the fact that you are alive, means that there is a reason for you to live. You know, the fact that you are alive, the fact that you are here, the fact that you have a chance to make some choices means that maybe you can make better ones. Maybe you can do something about the situation. Maybe you can turn the corner, have a better life. There's a chance for you to do something because you are here. And, And the character just constantly struggled with what is that something? Is it here taking care of them? Do I have to do something about Godzilla? 
is there a way that I can atone for my past mistakes? I think that really was the 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 trial for this character is what do I do? You know, I have to do I need to do something because I'm tired of doing nothing. But what is the something I'm going to do? So and and I've just and I feel like I've been there as a person, you know. Now I wasn't facing Godzilla, but you know, I'm you know, we all face challenges in our lives. And sometimes you are asking yourself those same questions. You know, what should I do? Should I do something like, you know, man, I didn't do anything in that situation and maybe I should have. You know, I feel like we've all just been there. So um so what I loved about the this whole thing was just how that character through meeting these people, through these friends that he made, through this whole ordeal with Godzilla, it came down to that. And I and the story was just so compelling with all of that that I really thought at the end of this he might take his life. You know, I, unfortunately I can't I couldn't read German, so I had no idea that there was an ejector seat until the film revealed that so for me what got me was whenever the note comes to the house and and our and our babysitter village lady is taking care of the uh, is taking care of the kid and the note comes to the house now i knew that that note was that noriko was still alive so then where they got me was I sort of did. Maybe I was overthinking it myself, but I'm thinking, oh, no, he's going to die. She's alive. She can take care of the kid. This is happening. He's going to die doing this. So. So to me, that was great storytelling, because maybe they could have just saved the whole Nuriko's alive thing for the end. But I think where they put it right there, where you see that note come and you don't know what the note is, but you know it's something important. And I don't know about y'all, but how could you not think that, okay, maybe she survived? That's where that predictability came in for the movie for me. It's just like, obviously you knew what that was, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that was on purpose because I think the idea was to get you to think, Maybe he won't survive. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he is going to die because she's alive, you know? So it'll be this tragic thing of, man, he had the picture of her there and he sacrificed himself and he did this and he saved them. And now at least the baby has Nuriko who did survive that attack. And that's where I thought the movie was going. So whenever they did the whole thing, and, and and the plane goes in and you and it looks like, you know, he did it. You know that they, they didn't pan up and show the ejection yet. So I'm like, oh, no. And I'm just feeling like. So sad and like, man, dude, they really he really did this. You know, I really believe that he sacrificed himself. But then when they did the reveal of the conversation he had with the mechanic about the ejector seat and no live and everything like that, man, I thought that really pulled at the heartstrings, man. Like when, when, when you saw him jump, jump out of there 
And like Sterling was saying, all of the realizations that that mechanic made about him and turning over a new leaf for him, because now this is a man who wants to perform those actions. He is willing to perform the actions. He is no longer running from his duty. He is no longer standing idly by or freezing and going, I can't do anything. And I love, too, how his hands locking up. That came into play often. There were times where he would almost PTSD back to that moment where he froze up and, you know, he would be looking at his hand and, you know, it it would be shaking right there. Kind of him having to truly overcome that, 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 that fear of the unknown, that fear of, um, that fear of should I act or not, or should I step out on the faith that I can change this situation? So I just loved all of that. And then by the time it got to the end and, and, you know, I knew that when the letter came, Nuriko was alive, but whenever we got to the final scene at the end, the acting was just so well done. And you see her sitting there in the hospital bed and she's bandaged up and like, but he's still looks cr- so beautiful regardless yeah. of her face exploding off. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. still just looked so beautiful. And, and, and then the actress really, she, it was a beautiful actress any, anyway, like you said, but yes, that scene and the lighting was perfect. And the way it was shot, it was just like the perfect ending scene. And it was really emotional. And whenever, and then I love that, she asked him, is your war finally over? That was a really good line. Yeah. And him, to and then fair, him just, I forgot because I saw that movie weeks ago. So I did forget oh. that was what was said. I'm glad you reminded us. Well, there you go. I, I have the gift of recency with this, but yeah, I just thought that that was just such a great scene. And then him like, weeping so much out of joy, he could barely even get the yes out that the war was over. And man, I felt something watching that. Like I really felt something. I felt a sense of relief that there were people next to me crying. Like there were people that really just felt it like, and I was feeling it too. I didn't cry nothing, but I definitely felt it. I was like, man, this is, like, what did we do? I was just sitting there thinking, what did we do to deserve such an amazing Godzilla movie? Like, I was just like, man, I've never felt like this in a Godzilla movie ever. You know, no, regardless of what I saw, I've seen Godzilla power drive monsters. I've seen the cleanest Godzilla drop kicks. And I've seen Godzilla do all kinds of stuff. And I've seen all kinds of I haven't seen all the Godzilla movies. There's like, I don't know, 48,000 of them, but never in a million years. I've only seen 47,000 of them. So you still got a thousand left to see, but like, um, but never in a million years did I think I would be sitting in a Godzilla movie and feeling things like this. Because it did the amazing thing of getting me to care for the characters. 
and kind of allude to, to, to what Sterling was talking about in a lot of these American made Godzilla movies and just, and, and, and some, you know, other Godzilla movies, a lot of times I'm rolling my eyes at the people scenes and I'm just wanting them to get on with the monsters. I'm like, man, what's with all this people shit? Let's just get on with the monsters. But bravo to this movie for getting me to care so much about what the people were doing. And even still, it, it, it was a great place to be, too, because you care about them, but you're there because you're a Godzilla fan. And you don't necessarily want them to kill Godzilla. So I was at war if you will, with myself a little bit. Like, how are they going to win this? They can't kill Godzilla. I don't come here to see Godzilla die, but I don't want these people to lose either. I kind of want, I kind of want him to win. So there was also, so that was also happening to me too. I was like, man, I know they can't really defeat Godzilla, but man, I, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I, but I don't want these people to lose either. And so they did the thing where, you know, he got the job done in a way, at least obliterated him enough to where it would take quite a while for him to regenerate and come back. And who knows, maybe by then some other kaiju would show up and Godzilla would not be the um the 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 thing that we're fighting anymore but regardless it ended the perfect way you know you got to see him rejoined with now his family and all of that and him overcome this struggle and this war that he had within himself but at the same time Godzilla didn't have to die for that to happen because honestly it was never about killing necessarily Godzilla anyway. It was just more about, like Sterling was saying, his willingness and the fact that he took action. He did the things. There was finally something he cared about enough to perform actions and to do what needed to be done. You know, he found his reason to live. And ultimately that is what this was about, you know. And, I, you know, I don't care who you are. When you act with purpose you know, it just means a little bit more than just functioning. So I think that's just what I got out of it and what I felt um, at the end. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think I agree a lot too about the, our main character and his, just his like sort of, dilemma within himself of just kind of being ashamed and feeling the guilt, you know what I mean? But like just also being very human and very scared. And I actually really love that. I love characters like that because I feel like, like you said, that's so relatable too. like, I feel like, you know, <laughs> I could see myself being that person. That's like, I'm going to pretend like, uh, you know, something's wrong here. So I don't have to go out there cause I am terrified you know, like that. And, and you don't hear that story from the perspective of the kamikaze pilots or anything like that, because you just always think like, oh, yeah, they're just they're willing to sacrifice themselves because that's just what needs to be done. You never really hear the story about the guy that's like, this is not the job I want. This is not what I want to do. And I'm terrified to die, even if it's what I need to do. Like, 
And, and I love that they gave you that perspective because we don't get enough of that. You know, like, I just feel like, I don't know. I always really appreciate characters like that, where you're just like, you're, you're not the, the typical like hero traits of a person sometimes, but that doesn't mean you're not still the hero. Cause I mean, this guy ended up still being very much the hero. You know what I mean? Like I think about like that, <laughs> it's a weird comparison, but like the movie, uh, that movie, it, uh, the, the kid Stanley, the one that was just always afraid of everything that is just like, Nope, I'm out. I'm not doing this. This is terrible. This is crazy. I don't want to come back. I feel that, you know, I'm like, okay, I get it. That would be me. That would absolutely be me. You know what I mean? And like the, the little kid from a quiet place who was just always doing the wrong thing because he was so scared and he just didn't know how to like react to anything properly in the quiet place world. I'm like, I feel you too. I get it. I'd be that person too. Probably like, you know, I just appreciate having characters like that, that are very, very real, very just human, normal people. And yes, they can be human and normal people, but also still be very brave and still be the hero of a story and still have all of these emotions and, you know, feel that guilt and that shame, but also still want to redeem themselves for that. Like, those are just very real things. And I love that they made this character that more than anything else. And it was just done in a really good way because, like you said, his performance was amazing. So, you know, and I also just really like the story of how him and uh, Noriko just sort of became whatever relationship they were, you know, and like, and the little girl, it's just like, they all sort of just got kind of pushed together in a way, but it worked and they made it work and they wanted it to work, you know, and they had their very, in a sense, dysfunctional family because nobody knew what they were to each other and, you know, where they came from. They didn't know each other before the situation and they just survived and they made it work. And I thought, I think that was a really cool thing to do too, because you also don't hear that story very much where it's like, we were just kind of thrown together, but we're making this work and we're creating sort of our own family from this terrible, devastating situation happening right now. So yeah, this is why I love the, like the storytelling and the writing of the characters in this film, because that's just really profound and very thoughtful writing because that's just real situations sometimes like, you know, and it's, it's just cool to see a perspective of like, just it's, it's not a normal type of love story. It's not a normal type of survival story or soldier story or anything like that. It's not the normal, but that's why it's so much more intriguing and interesting because they make you care so much more about these characters, you know, and I also liked the random reveal of the older guy who was like the scientist doctor guy, like being like, by the way, I have a plan and we've been working on this, like to figure out how to get rid of Godzilla. Like, <laughs> was he a doctor or a scientist? I'm trying to remember because it's been a little bit since I've seen that movie as well. You can be both because you could just have a PhD in science. Yeah. I just don't remember if he was called like doctor or something specific, but either way, that guy, it was just so funny because He's just kind of like, excuse me, guys, uh, I'm kind of a big deal here and I'm trying to figure out the solution and just like worked with this, these guys on this boat for however long. And just nobody ever talked about like 
what their jobs were or like anything outside of just what was happening when they were on the boat. Like if you feel like they just didn't talk about anything else in their lives. And it was kind of funny to me because I'm just like, this dude is a big deal. And nobody like that saw him every day for however long, a year or at least, if not more, knew that. And it was just kind of funny, like just these random situations these people are in. And in a world like that, though, too, where everything's constantly changing, you're kind of just thrown together. You're just trying to make it work. You're trying to survive. You you kind of feel like, OK, it, it feels like that isn't normal, but you understand why that's the situation in this movie. And that's what I love about it, because it made you feel like, no, this is a real situation. This feels very real to me. You know, um, you know, I don't I thought that was weird to be like, did nobody talk about like even when the guys uh, from uh, what is what is the uh, the our main character's name again? It's Ko- uh, Koichi Koichi. Yeah, he like when yes. he invited the guys over and, you know, they're just like, oh, they thought that the lady was his wife and, you know, and all this stuff. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not married. And they were like, what? Like just all of the surprise when I'm like, have you never talked about anything in your personal life? And when you're well, on this boat working, it, it's really funny. Cause that like really reminds me of like things you'll see on TikTok, and you know, it's like women telling stories about their husbands and it's like how weirdly, like how like men tell stories or something like that. And it's like, well, they're like, Oh, Hey, what happened today at work? And you're like, Oh, it was good. And all this other stuff. And then like, you're talking later and they're like, Oh Yeah you know, we were sitting there and this guy did this, this, this. And like, they're like, wait, you said nothing fucking happened. What do you mean all this shit? Like, it's yeah. just the way like guys interact at times. Like it just can be that. But then also I do appreciate that. That's also not completely uncommon for people that have been in war also to not talk about True. the shit they went through. You that's know? a good point. Too. So even yeah. when you're surrounded by a bunch of people that did the fact that there's somebody that there was there that wasn't, Mm-hmm. means you still didn't talk about it. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. And I didn't think about that. So like there are those elements of it that just tend to be accurate about things like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's, it's, Oh, like when I was saying that whole TikTok thing earlier, it's like, uh, it was like the, one of the ones I remember seeing was like a story and it's like, Oh yeah. Like Jeff and Dan- Diane broke up and it's like, well, what happened? And they're like, I don't know. They just said, Jeff, you know, like Jeff told me that him and Diane broke up. And it's like, but but what happened? And it's like two months later, it's like, oh, yeah, I found out that like, oh, there was an affair and there was this and that. It's like, but with who, with what? Like, and all this other stuff. And they're like, oh, I didn't ask. Like, it's the whole, well, I didn't ask that. Yeah. If you wasn't <clears throat> asked, I'm not saying anything and vice versa. Like, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Thought I muted. My bad. <laughs> I think it's funny. You, you opened your mic just to cough. <laughs> oh no <laughs> but no that just reminded yeah. me of like when you, when you started talking about that I was like oh yeah I remember like TikToks about that and I remember like you know it's like that with being around people in the military and stuff like that like just when all of a sudden when somebody's around that wasn't in it you just yeah. don't talk about that shit yeah and there was and that, that one and that's guy a good point. that was with them that wasn't you know mm-hmm. the guy that was like oh I was too young to get in and I wanted to but I couldn't and yeah. Just because he was there, didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a, that is a good point. And I didn't think of that perspective either, but that totally makes sense too. And also too with with uh, Koichi just being like 
already ashamed and feeling guilty for what happened anyway. Like, why would you talk about it? You know, which is, it's a very real thing too. Like I know people in the military that they don't want to talk about going into war and the things that happened and the things that happened under their watch. And you know what I mean? Like that's a very real thing too. So that is a good point. And I didn't really connect that till you said that. But yeah, that makes sense. You like, know, especially with him, he's definitely not going to talk about as much because then there's like the survivor's guilt of it all. Yep. Yeah. The survivor's guilt plus just the actual guilt of yeah. in general, like all so of you, it. You're yeah. just instantly going to shut up about it. Like, yep. Cause you just don't want to even like admit that that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's funny because like when, you know, when I first saw the movie and I was like, how is it possible that these people would not know anything about each other's lives when they see each other every single day? And then you think about it and you're just like, Oh, that actually makes a ton of sense that that's the case. But yeah, like, and I get it because my coworkers don't know shit about me. (laughs) 95% of them probably don't even know I have a podcast. Most of them don't know, you know, that I'm like getting divorced, like all this stuff. Like none of them know that shit. Like, Cause I'm very picky about what my coworkers know. Yeah. You know, and it's not like that I'm hiding anything. It's just like, I also just don't talk about that shit at work. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's fair. That's fair. And like, I guess it, it's just funny to think about that too, because as me being somebody who like, I love to talk to people, I'm just kind of like always sharing, like this is what I did over the holiday and like just always sharing stories about what's going on and stuff like that. But yeah, that's just not everybody's vibe. And, you know, especially when it comes to wartime or people who have been in war, been through something that they're just not really wanting to talk about, you know. So I just I did appreciate that aspect of the reality of that, especially probably at that time as well, you know, even more so. But yeah, See, it's it's really funny when you were like, oh, like I'm like, oh, this is what I did over the holiday. Like and then I have my standard answer. Oh, what would you do over the holiday? Nothing. <laughs> Dang. It'd be funny though if you're like nothing, but you're like, shit. I actually won the lottery and I'm rich now. Like, just didn't tell them something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't tell coworkers shit about my life. Maybe yeah. that's why I don't get what is it bags of or fun bags from my coworkers like Jasmine. <laughs> yeah, you don't get any fun bags, brother. Like, like me, I don't know. I think I'm somewhere between in the middle of you and Heather. I don't tell them. There's a very specific number of things I would tell them that I don't mind them knowing, but they don't really know anything. I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to say they don't know anything damaging like this is I'm protecting my reputation. But you know what I mean? Like they know a few things. Oh, I wrestle and oh, I do this. And they blah, just blah, know blah. the basics and, more you know, than anything else. Th- yeah, th- they know yeah. some basic bullet point things. But I'm not going to be to the extent you are here, the sharing, like what happened during the day and different things like that. I kind of like that I'm a little mysterious to them. I kind of like that they're just kind of like, I don't know, he's just that wrestler guy with broad shoulders and he can't hardly eat anything. And But he is kind of fun. You know, every now and then I joke with him and stuff, but I try to keep it like... I do draw some lines, kind of like Sterling. Not yeah. as many, but I do have my 
lines yeah. that I don't let people cross. I oh. mean, and, and don't don't get me wrong. I definitely I'm not like saying I share all my business, but like, you know, like there's the coworkers that I'll be like, did you watch that new Netflix show? You know, like you just kind of that kind of level stuff with them or, you know what I mean? Where you're just like making connections with people more like I just enjoy doing that. But I more so than either of you probably like initiate that more because for me, I'm just like, cool, I just want to talk to somebody. So like, you know, I'll probably initiate those conversations more, you know? Yeah. Some of my coworkers do that with me. Well, like, oh, did you do like, have you seen this? Did you watch this? Have you played this? Like, they'll ask me that and I'll answer. But like outside of that, as far as my coworkers are concerned, all I do is work. That's all they know I do. Outside of that, they don't know shit. You guys didn't have a Christmas get together like I did where you did the white elephant and uh we 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 had a potluck, but we didn't get each other gifts. Okay, well you're getting close. You're moving up. You I know, made banana pudding and I is. also got out of there the earliest of anybody. <laughs> I, Buddy, because we had a guy that made banana pudding, so that's hilarious. And he left yeah. pretty quickly, so I, I guess I took he what was you. left of my pudding and I bounced. The only reason why I even said goodbye to my boss is because he was kind of standing near the door when I was going to leave. If he had, and I told him too, I was like, if you hadn't been standing here, you would have not have known I left. Because I would have just left. Yeah. The funny thing is I actually did that this year. Like because they did it like very much smack dab in the middle of the workday this year. And I was just like, I actually have to catch a train as well and have like an hour train ride home. So I just snuck out like when nobody was looking. I was like, have fun, guys. I'm sorry. I got to (laughs) go. But yeah, like like I said, all Mm -hmm. my coworkers know I do is work. So I get it. I I really understand why these people didn't know shit. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just funny to me because I was like, what? You don't talk about any of that. But like it, it, it does actually make sense. Like thinking out of the context of like me as a person, very different than a lot of other people and how they would do it. You know what I mean? Like it's it. But it, it was just kind of funny to think about. And especially when the guy's like, oh, yes, I'm the scientist that's trying to work on how we're going to destroy this guy, this little lizard guy, you know, and they're just like, wait, what? Like, like to me, just completely shocked that that those scenes were the most realistic scenes in this entire Godzilla <laughs> movie. I was like, oh, no, that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. And like I did also I, I thought it was interesting to the the younger guy that really wanted to help. And they were like, no, we're leaving you behind because we want you to, you know, carry this on if something happens to us like i appreciated the sentiment of that but i also feel like man you're probably gonna need all the help you can get against godzilla and he wants to help there's probably a lot of people that didn't even really want to be there helping necessarily well they were all you know volunteers what I mean? that were there i mean i guess that's true and that that part is true i did forget about the fact that they had the whole scene of like yeah we'll do it you know we'll see and i but, i actually really appreciated that because of the whole aspect of they had all gone through war already. And the fact that they were just like, if we can save you, like, I know you wanted to, and you wanted to do all this stuff. We did it. And it sucked. I, and that's fair. Yeah. 
That's fair. And it's just the idea. If we can stop you from having to even do it again mm-hmm. with Godzilla 2 and like just yeah. save you from essentially experiencing two warlike things. Yeah. We would rather do that. And I, do, I will say that that was also one of the things in the movie that was a bit predictable of like you knew he was going to come into play somewhere in in the film down the line because of how much he really wanted to help and the fact that he was staying back. Like you just you just felt like there was going to be something that he did that was important in this movie. So, yeah, like and, and again, not anything that makes you be like, oh, this movie is so predictable but just little parts in it where like, I knew it was going to happen, but you're glad you're glad that it happens. You know, same thing with Noriko not being dead. You're just like, knew it. I knew it when I saw that they got a letter. I knew that that's what that meant. You know what I mean? And like, I just, I, I appreciate those, even if they are predictable, the way they did it in this movie, I still appreciated the moments when those things are revealed, you know, just because of how well the story is written with these characters. Well, it goes to something that has been a cliche or a trope in our podcast, even talking about there are times when cliches and tropes are welcome in a story. They add to a story. Yeah. You know, sometimes if you if you're a good enough writer and a good enough director, you can use cliches and tropes to your benefit. Yeah. And the predictability in that in this movie is playing into some tropes. It's playing into some cliches. But when you're effective in using them, all it does is add to your story. It doesn't really yeah. detract from it. You're not going like, oh, well, you know, uh, it spoiled them coming to save everybody with tugboats. Like, no, like you said, Heather, you're like, oh, yay. They like they're coming to save the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or, oh, yeah, she lived. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's yeah. And that's true. And like I. um and, and it's funny too, because obviously like this is a Godzilla movie. So like, I feel like because of how well they wrote the human characters, it kind of, I, I don't even necessarily want to say it overshadowed Godzilla, but I think I will say that the reason that I liked this Godzilla more than the other ones I've seen is because of how well they do the human story, you know, but they also do connect it well with the Godzilla portion of it. And I also loved the scenes, too, where you just see how completely terrified every single person was, you know, in Godzilla's path. Like they did a really good job of showing you just how like the scale of terror that you should have with this Godzilla, you know, and and that was just really well placed and really well done. And and I do agree with Sterling about just like he looked awesome. He really did. Like he looked really cool, really awesome really intimidating and terrifying, you know, and, um, yeah. And that's what made those scenes believable when anybody, you know, was in his path, just completely like screaming bloody murder, just absolutely like, I don't want to die. You know, you just get really good moments of that. Um, showing the, like, you know, the intimidation of how you should feel with Godzilla there, you know? And, And I think they did that part really well. And the action scenes, the stuff in the water, like when he's in the water and they're just, you know, all of that like was so cool. And like the ships and the boats that were coming to like, you know, and, and they're just all like planning it. And, um, and our main character just, you know, his whole part at the end there, like, I didn't know what to expect. I did think too, he was going to die. I did expect that to happen, you know, but I was like, well, that's going to be 
really sad because he also is not going to actually get to tell this girl that is also still alive that he doesn't know is alive that he loves her, you know, and like I was like really going to be bummed out about that. But he was able to go and be there with her. Um, And you're right, man. Like what a line to be like, is your war over? What a line. I loved that line. That was so good because it encompasses like literally everything about the movie, the literal and the metaphorical wars, like all the wars, you know, and it was just such a beautiful, simple line of dialogue that just said so much, you know, and I, I just thought it was a perfect thing to end on with this movie. But yeah, I mean, it's just, again, I agree with you guys. Like this movie is a better Godzilla movie than it has any right to be. But if I'm going to tell somebody to watch a Godzilla movie, this is the one, this is the one I'm going to tell them to watch for sure. So yeah, it's just, it's so beautifully made and just everything about it. Like literally there's no notes except for, you know, again, the whole pacing thing. But like you guys said, if that's kind of a common thing in Godzilla movies, it's a Godzilla thing. So, yeah. And I didn't really um, get it. I forgot to like try to explain that in detail. But what I was referring to with that is it always feels like there has to be this moment where he just goes away. Like he's been terrorizing. He's been doing all of this stuff. And yep. almost <laughs> inexplicably, he just goes away. Whether he's sometimes it's to go to sleep, sometimes it's to recharge, sometimes he just leaves. Like it's just not really, we don't really understand why, but he leaves. And there's just this period where the humans have to get ready or we have to see um, people gearing up to fight him or we have to see plans, a room of people and a, a bunch of people and scientists and military people in a room trying to figure out what they're going to do to him or something like that. That is like a common thing in a lot of Godzilla movies. And I think it's, it's, I don't want to say it's just a refusal to change, but I don't know. I feel like we've got to come up with a better way to not have such an obvious lull there where I, I get that he can't just be in the city terrorizing the whole time. You got to have a break from that, but it never feels like the break is justified in what we get. It just always kind of feels like, okay, here's the part where he goes away and now the humans can do some shit without him being there. And it never, and sometimes tonally it, it loses that foreboding thing of, oh man, he could strike at any moment. You just almost know he's not going to so that they can do all of this shit. And I think that's what I was talking about. Yeah, I get that. No, you're right. I mean, again, like I don't have as much of a frame of reference for that, but like even in the 2014 Godzilla, like, yeah, it's a little bit there too. <laughs> like, it's, oh, yeah. it's just the it's, whole thing. It's yeah. what they do. And I like when Justin said, he's got to go recharge. God, that is such a common thing, especially when he's fighting, when he's the good guy, he's always got to recharge. Yeah. And then he's got to make that grand entrance. You got to do it. You got to yeah. do it for him. They just have never not done it at this point. Like, 
It's yeah. just a thing he does constantly. And I don't know what the better idea is, but it just seems like, but like I said, it almost feels like a refusal to change. Like, we're not going to change it. We just got to have this pause period. It's the with staple it. of Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, will people really know they're watching a Godzilla movie if we don't do the Zilla pause? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Zilla pause. Yep. And the Zilla pause is in damn near every one that I've seen. So it just dawned on me when you guys said the pace and I was like, is that the problem? And I think it is. I really think it is. But like Sterling said, this movie almost damn near gets away with it completely because the story is so compelling and what this character is going through and his war within himself and what's going on with the, with these people and these relationships is so compelling that you, you almost don't care. You know, you, you almost don't care that we're in the Zilla pause, you know, but not every movie um, does gets it away with it. Yeah, yeah. Does it as effectively gets away with it as well. And it's because you do care way more about these characters. And that's why the Zilla pauses is fine because, and even though, yeah, I say like it was more slower paced part and everything, but like, it's also just like, you're still intrigued with what's happening on screen because you, they've made you care about these characters way more than a lot of the others in the other movies is what I would imagine. Well, where I think it works in this movie, and I think you kind of worded it, Justin, is the fact that, like, there isn't really completely a lull in the action just for the sheer fact that while you're waiting on him to show up and all this other stuff, you're still getting the internal struggle, which is infinitely more interesting than people fighting in an office and arguing, like, no, this is how we do it, and the, there's, like, the general going, no, we just need to do this. And there's a scientist going, no, we need to do this. And they're fighting with each other. That's a boring ass fucking thing. And everybody's fucking tired of seeing it. But an internal struggle, that internal battle. That's interesting. Yeah. So Yes. And they sweeten the deal with him having to go find that mechanic. Like I got to find the mechanic from my past who hates me to help fix this plane. So there were some interesting things going on in the story during the lull. But, but so like you said, just narratively, we did some effective things and maybe that's all you can do. You know, maybe there's no way for Godzilla to like be there, but not be there. But if he's not going to be there, we got to do some more interesting stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe just shave five minutes off that lull. Like maybe it's, you do yeah. the things this movie did, but shave five minutes off it. Yeah, shorter. Yeah, cut yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, trim some fat. Yeah. But like, that's, and the funny thing is, Justin, I, I, this is a question for you. So when Heather said literal and metaphoric wars, were you thinking the literal metaphoric war and a metaphoric literal war? Because that's the first thing that popped <laughs> in my head. Yes, I did think about that for a second. And I almost said it, but I was like, nah, you know what? You know, when she's on a roll, I'm not going to, yeah. you know. But there's that literal metaphoric roll. war. And then there's that metaphoric literal war. And that, weirdly enough, super applies to this movie. Because the literal yeah, metaphoric war was the struggle that he was having internally. And the literal metaphoric war. Wait. Yeah, the literal metaphoric, the metaphoric. war was the struggle. But the 
metaphoric, metaphoric literal, war literal war was fighting Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yep. God. Yep. That saying's still <laughs> going to just fucking haunt us for all our days. It is, man. It is. That is like one of those conversations I will never forget because it was so ridiculous, but did make sense. Yeah. It sounded so stupid, but it made perfect sense. And weirdly, what? Damn near 20 years or not. I wasn't 20 years. So I guess about 18 ish years later, it's weirdly coming back in the middle of a fucking Godzilla discussion. Yes. But it makes perfect sense. But it makes perfect sense. While Heather was on a roll, you know, a metaphoric fresh roll. And, you know, I only do fresh rolls. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I would only give you guys fresh rolls. So, yeah. There you go. I will not comment. Metaphorically, of course. Uh But yes. Do you guys got any more thoughts about this here? Godzilla minus one. I don't think so. No, I'm good. Funny thing is whole podcast about a Godzilla movie. The thing we talked about the least is probably Godzilla. Yep. We talked about pizza longer than we talked about Godzilla. I know, which seems bad, but it's not really in this movie. He was tight, man. And I love the scenes with him in the water. I like those scenes more than I did the scenes on land. Me too. I, I thought he looked amazing in the water. Oh, when he was chasing I thought that all the boat? Inter- yeah, when he's chasing the boat, all the, when he's submerging yeah. and coming up and all that stuff. He was amazing in the water in this movie. And I so, feel like yeah. it, that actually made him look more powerful. You know, when he's just surrounded by all the water, as opposed to all of the people, like for some reason he was just more regal looking or something when he's just surrounded by only the water and he's just standing there, you know, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And his old theme blaring, man, there was just something about that. Brum, 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 brum. There was just something about hearing that old theme and they didn't remix it. You know, they didn't auto tune that shit or nothing like that. It was just. It was the theme from the original uh, Godzilla in Japan, so that was tight. Anytime it came on, I was happy to hear it. What a shame that this movie... I mean, I don't think this movie's getting any sort of, like, award buzz, right? That's a shame. It's going to be tough, because they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. only going to put it in, like, best foreign film. Yeah. 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 If it doesn't win that, that would be absolutely well, the thing insane. Is, is I think this movie came out too late. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. Sadly. Same thing with Iron Claw. Like it came out just a little bit too late. Yeah. Mm. But on that note, thank you guys for listening to this very special bonus episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on Instagram and threads at cinema slayers pod on TikTok and, and YouTube. Uh, give us five star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, shout out to plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos respectively. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love Godzilla allegories. I was just going to leave it at Godzilla, but that's fair too. Godzilla. Okay. Uh, remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we are both pro-slut, pro-Sydney, and pro-naked. 
You are Knuff. What what was I gonna what did I add last time? Oh yeah, Justice for Chris. I almost forgot Justice for Chris, but also to, yes. to reiterate, you are Knuff. What about Bokey Wobot? I mean, no. you know, I guess watch a movie with him in it. Yeah, there's there you lots. Go. There's yeah. lots. <laughs> yeah, watch a movie with Bokey Wobot. It's that character <laughs> actor that you just don't know you know. There but you, you know. And as I was in these podcasts, these TikToks, and these YouTube videos, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the Best Picture winner. Who was that obscure actress you said earlier had the Lee Lee Sobo to Polsky? Sobieski. What else has she been in? Cinema Slayers. Um, she was in. I know I've heard that name a lot. She was in that. Like, what was that disaster movie? Uh, Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Okay. Deep Impact. She I, I'm, was I'm in. Trying to, she was in. I'm never trying been to like kissed. envision her face. Jasmine, I know where you know her from. In the name of a king. In in the name of the king. A dungeon siege story. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Oh. She was the princess oh. in that. Okay. I'm hurting now. <laughs> I feel good about myself. I really do. I don't. I don't feel good. She was good. in a some romance movie with Josh Hartnett. So that's where I remember her from. None of it matters because okay. I ruined Justin's night. Or Ethan Hawke meant right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You two. know, you know. I I really am glad we spun this off though, because there would have been a five hour podcast if we had left this with our original plan of doing <laughs> right. Iron Claw and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five fucking hours. All right, I'm out.